0: able to just be in the presence of God today. Now I'm live, so no more no more potty mouth. Literally potty. Caleb looked at me like, did I, did I miss a, a slip, right? The first time, I was just like, whoa, this guy. Is... Yeah, it's going to be like this the whole time, just in case you wondered. Uh, it's a little bit of Jesus mixed with some rambling, and then there's more Jesus uh, and then some rambling. Y'all are also looking at me like, I'm trying to send the the video to the back, to the nursery, in case anybody goes back there. If y'all wonder why I'm just kind of awkwardly sitting here buying some time right now. All right, I'm done awkwardly buying time. Uh, So if you want to go ahead and flip with us today in your Bible, if you don't have a Bible, uh, in the back corner back here, you'll notice that there are a lot of Bibles. One of those has your name on it. If you don't have a Bible, it doesn't literally have your name on it. Like, we're not not that kind of church, okay? Notice the back of all the seats. Anybody see a name on the back of the seat? Nope. Right, it's Jesus Church. Uh, So if you want to go ahead and flip with us in your Bible today, uh, we're going to be in the book of Mark for the most part. You no, know, I can't just, like, right? I've I've got to venture off somewhere at some point in time. Uh, So we're going to be in the book of Mark. We're going to be in Mark uh, chapter 14 to start today. Uh, Last week, uh, as we prepared for this, we left at the end of Mark chapter, or at the beginning of Mark chapter 14, uh, and we saw the plot to, to kill Jesus. Anybody remember what the last straw was? Lazarus, right? Like raising Lazarus from the dead. They're like, look, you've said a lot of stuff, but now you've actually raised someone from the dead. We, we can't dispute this, right? We're beyond a reasonable doubt, right? And remember, why did Jesus leave him in the tomb in four days? It, it to literally remove the doubt, right? There, there was no if, ands, or buts anymore. Three days, you know, the Jewish culture belief that, like, the spirit is just oddly kind of rambling around. I don't know where they think you know, it's just chilling for three days watching the body. But that fourth day, like, it, it, all shadow of doubt is removed, right? Like, if you're there on that fourth day, uh, you're going to stink, right? Because you're dead. But the soul is also removed from the physical body. Uh, So Jesus waits until that fourth day. Uh, Was it because he didn't like Lazarus? No, like we remember we examined that. He actually really liked Lazarus. Uh, Lazarus and and Mary and Martha, those were like, anybody got a homeboy? Right? You're allowed to say, yeah, "Yeah, I got a homeboy. Right? So that's Jesus' homeboy, right? Are you Jesus' homeboy? No. Right? So... Get get rid of that language because I've heard people say that before. Like, oh, Jesus is my homeboy. Jesus is not your homeboy. Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Okay, y'all can get like a little a little a little happier. Right? That, I mean, that's a good thing that you have a Lord and Savior in Jesus Christ. That He is so much more than just saying something like. And there, there's this there's this really awkward culture now that that will say like, Daddy God, God is not your daddy. Okay. So get rid of that thought process. God is the supreme being that breathes life into everything around you. Okay, He is the father of the universe. God in the form of Yahweh created everything that you see. Uh, so in the book of Mark, uh, chapter 14, we're going to start out. And I have ten events that I have to show you guys. Okay, In order for you to understand the importance of what it is that we're here today to celebrate. Because Easter, I'm sorry I'm about to step on somebody's toes. I know it. I told y'all last week we're still toes and I'm in flip flops. Look how Paul's like, yeah, I'll I, I whirl. Like I was trying to be prepared. Easter, we have turned it into something that it's not. Y'all look quiet there, right? We have turned Easter into this celebration with some eggs. And look, that's great for the kids. Everybody look at me right, right quick. If you're in this room right now, you're not a kid. Amen? You're like, hey, Caleb, I don't know if it's about you. It's debatable, okay? I'm not a kid, okay? What I need you to understand, that Easter... I'm going to get rid of this chair. I will feel it today. I'm going to... I just have to get you to understand that Easter is so much more than eggs and going to dinner with your family. Like those are great byproducts of the celebration of a risen king, but that is not why we do what we do. People have have, have, have distanced themselves from the closeness and the intimacy of God. There's a reason why before we call it this Easter, we called it Passion Week. You know why it's called Passion Week? Because on this week, that, let me get time out, okay? Some people think Jesus died on Thursday, late Thursday, because technically the, the whole schedule is different than what we look at today. So let me tell you something real quick. Everybody with me? We can still call it Good Friday because that day would actually be Thursday from 6 o'clock to Friday afternoon at 6 o'clock. Okay. So whether it happened late in the night on Thursday or it happened in the middle of the day on Friday, that is what we call a tertiary issue. Everybody say it a tertiary issue. All right. Some people sound like you said tushy. Okay? What this means is, for your benefit of salvation, this issue is, it doesn't matter, right? It's not that it doesn't matter, it's just that the semantics of the occasion are unimportant. What is important, that on that Friday, whether it was late Thursday, early Friday, on that Friday, Jesus Christ became in full embodiment your Lord and Savior. That, like... Y'all, again, if that doesn't get you to clap, if that doesn't get you excited, that you have new life because of the last day on this physical embodiment of Christ, then I don't, like you're, I already told y'all, y'all don't warn. If that doesn't get you excited, you're a dead body sitting in this seat right now. Okay? So when we start in the book of Mark, chapter 14, we're going to start at verse 17, or chapter 14, verse 17, and this starts... Uh, some people, anybody ever heard Maundy Thursday, right? You're like, I know I've heard that before. I have no idea what it means. Everybody with me for a second? Watch your feet, okay? I know that sounds weird. Some of us came from back, Baptist backgrounds. You're like, bro, A, I'm Baptist. B, I don't like feet, okay? So I'm out on that one. If it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for you. So, Okay? Mark chapter 14, verse 17, we start, and it says, And when it was evening... He came with the 12. How many we still got? 12, 12, right? So what are we going to boil down to? Spoiler alert, 11. Something's got to happen. Everybody look at me for a second. Say, something has to give. Something has to give, guys. Okay? And as they were reclining at the table and eating, Jessica will not let me put a recliner at the table. I've tried, okay? i tried to even use the Bible. She wouldn't go with me there. Jesus said, truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And this is the point in time where everybody tries to make a bad guy out of Judas, okay? This is where where Judas is vilified. This is where we try and turn him into like a supervillain. And while what he did is wrong, guys, right? Like morally, because people want to look at things, whether they believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, ultimately they'll try and you know, separate and divide things in life on morality, right? So let's pause for a second. And if you want to live your life under this compass of morality, right, good and bad, okay? So whether you're a Christian, whether you're a Christ follower, whether you are a believer of the way, or like we like to refer in this church as mathetase, in other words, we're, we're students or apprentices under Jesus – no matter where you fall on this issue, right, morality will separate people. And there was, uh, some of you guys are probably familiar with C.S. Lewis for the Chronicles of Narnia. Even if you didn't know that those were books, there were movies. You guys probably saw that, like Village of the Dawn Traitor, right? Like, you, you got me here, okay? The Voyage of the Dawn Trader, right? Prince Cassian. Like, I, that's all I know, but I know they're movies, okay? So even if you know that, you know you need to know that this comes from a guy named C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis wrote one of the greatest masterpieces of Christian literature, and it's called, ironically, Mirror Christianity, okay? If you're like a reader, I'm a bit of a reader myself. That was Spider-Man, right? Nobody? Okay. So... C.S. Lewis develops this basically conundrum where Jesus is one of three things. He is either a liar, he is either your Lord, or he's either a lunatic. The, The thing about these three things is he can be one, but he can't be all three. And you can use the scientific method. Yeah, I'm getting geeky here. You can use the scientific method and actually use the Bible and history We have limited history there, but we have books like Josephus and these different historical books. You can actually boil it down, use the scientific method, and you can, in fact, prove that he was the Lord. So C.S. Lewis says in this book, Mere Christianity, A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. Follow along. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg. Or else he would be the devil of hell. In other words, either he's great or he is the father of lies. And the third option, you must make this choice for yourself. Either this man was and is the son of God or else of madman or something worse. So there are there are atheists and there are agnostics, right? That like so agnostic, let's just break this down. Like they think there's some higher power but they're not like they're not ready to say what it is. Okay? Some people will call them universalists, right? Like they believe there's a greater a greater being but they don't want to they don't want to boil it down. I can't live my life with 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 the canon of scripture that is before us. I can't live my life and fall into that nonsense. Because it's very clear, if you will use the book that is provided for us, it's very clear through this book of instruction that Jesus is exactly who he says he was. Right? And who he says he was is the Savior of the world. So as we continue, now that we've laid out this idea of morality, as they were reclining at the table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. Why don't we lay out morality here so that we can establish that what what Judas does, right, the the giving up of Jesus Christ, every single one of us in our lives will make the same decision. Either you will sell out Jesus Christ as a lunatic or a madman, right, or you will make him the Lord of your life, the Savior of your life. One of the most important ideas and thoughts that you will ever formulate in your brain is what you think of Jesus Christ. And at the end of the day, it boils down to, as C.S. Lewis said, a lunatic, the Lord, or a liar. Verse 19, they began to be sorrowful and said to him, one after another, were they worried about Jesus? Look at this, watch this. Did they say, Jesus, we're going to help you, right? Like, we don't, we're not going to let that happen. No, just follow along and look at at their response. They said to one another, is it I? Think about that. Think of Jesus is, they've been rolling with him now for anywhere between three and five years, right? They've seen him literally now raise a man from the dead. They've seen him turn water into wine. They've seen him make the I Am statements of exactly who he is. Right? They've watched him heal blind men. They've watched wounds leave bodies at the mere mention of his name. They've watched demons leave bodies of men simply by the breath of Christ. And here they are. What are they worried about? Is it me? Me? But again, we want to we want to vilify Judas, right? We want to make Judas into a bad guy, but each and every single one of us in day in, day out, make the same decisions, right? Because you you, you have this you have this ability to either follow Christ or follow the world. It's your decision what you'll do. He said to them, It is one of the twelve who is dipping the bread into the dish with me. This same idea of communion that we celebrate every single week. Why do we celebrate it every single week? Why do we acknowledge it? Why do we participate actively in communion every single week? Because it is the ultimate divider that will separate heaven from hell. By seeing the the participation in the act and the preparation of communion, we will watch some people Actively choose hell. Verse 21. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better that that man if he had not been born. Verse 22. And as they were eating, he took bread. We'll come back to this at the end of the service. He took the bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine or of the physical world. I will not drink of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Very important. Look at verse 26 here. Go ahead, go ahead and put it up for everybody to see. Jesus and the 12, what do they do? They praise God. So people say, oh, you know, you know, I'm tired of, I'm tired of telling everybody. I'm going to step on toes at school. I don't like the kind of music that this church plays. Where I don't like the the lyrics of the songs that they're singing. That's perfectly fine because they're not singing it about you. Right? I I don't like how loud it is. That's perfectly fine because it ain't about you. So verse 26, And when they had sung a hymn, this comes from Psalm, I believe Psalm 126, they went out to the mountain, to the Mount of Olives. Next place I have to take you real quick in scripture so that we can show you. Uh, comes from Mark chapter 14. We're going to look at verse 32 and 33. Uh, if you're in case you're wondering, yes, we, we really like the Bible. So we're going to look at that and emphasize that a lot today. Uh, verse 32 starts and says, And they went to a place called Gethsemane. Mount of Olives. Okay, just in case anybody... It's like a Greek lesson right there. Um, Mount of Olives. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. Let's just, let's just take a second and, and let me just boil something down for you real quick. The prayer that Jesus was praying here wasn't for himself. Right? Jesus knew when he was birthed. Like little baby what is it, 8-pound, 7-ounce baby Jesus, right? Like that, Ricky Bobby, whatever. That Jesus knew as a baby what he came here for. Now, his mom and his dad, right, they, they knew it was something special, but I don't think they could comprehend or fully grasp exactly who Jesus was. His brothers surely don't. James and, and Jude, or Joseph, or Judah, right? We, we, we literally went through the book of Jude. Even they acknowledged when he was here on earth, we didn't believe it, right? But when Jesus did, in practice, the things that he said, right? When he didn't just talk about it, he was about it. They had no other option but to believe. Like Jesus came and told us, this was how it's going to play. If anybody takes notes, I want you... Like, look, guys, I wanted to preach this whole thing to you today out of Isaiah uh, chapter 53, but then God said, no, no, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to show them so that they can go and study Isaiah 53, so that they can go and see that the Old Testament prophets prophesied of the exact same thing that actually played out live. Right? The, the exact same thing that went through Jerusalem, that went through Judea, that went through Samaria, and all ends of the earth. So Isaiah 53, I give y'all homework. Like, some of y'all were like, I'm, I'm out. All right, Like, you just said homework. Like, I went to school. At least 10 years, right? I think that's how long they make you go before you can quit. Right? So, like, even the people that quit were like, bro, I went 10 years. I'm done with it. Okay? Okay? <laughs> So, yeah, I'm giving you homework. I want you to go and look at that. I want you to study Isaiah 53 and see everything play out just as Jesus told us that it would. So, verse 33, and he took with him Peter and James and John. These three guys become very important in the, the, the church that we'll see. After we, after this week, we're going to look at, literally we're going to follow the repercussions of the resurrection. Spoiler alert, yeah, he comes back. So for the next probably, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, 10 to 12 weeks, we are just going to deep dig into what exactly happened that changed the entire world. That made it to the point that our calendar was rearranged because of the significance of Jesus. Right, We have B.C. before Christ. We have Anno Domini A.D. the year of our Lord. Everything changed because of Jesus. We've talked about before the importance of the Sabbath. The Sabbath used to be recognized on Saturday. Guess what? The importance and the significance of Jesus Christ rewrote Thousands of years of history. We don't even celebrate the Sabbath anymore on Saturday. Most people celebrate it on Sunday because he does rise, guys. He was so important that the world changed and shifted like a tectonic plate. He is that important. I'm going to keep coming back to it, but in your life, guys, he's one of three things. He's a liar, he's a lunatic, or he's your Lord. He can't be all three. As we continue, we're going to go real quick. (coughs) We'll continue in the book of Mark. We're at chapter 14. Let's look at verses 53 through 72. I have to show you the Sanhedrin trial. This is very important. So, without me spoiling it for you, who thinks Jesus just went through like one trial? They're like, okay, crucify him, and it's over. Is that anybody? So... Jesus actually ends up going through what ends up being like six trials, three Jewish, three Roman, right? (laughs) The Jews every time are like, kill him! But we're not going to do it. We need you to do it, right? And the the Romans are like, bro, I want a part of this. Like, I'm washing my hands. Right? Literally, uh, at the end of this, Pilate finally gives the Jews what they want to keep a riot from happening and washes his hands and says, I'm clean of it. But here's the thing. You can't Deny our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and just wipe your hands free of it. As much as Pilate wanted to be clear of the events, you can't just deny our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and wash your hands of it. If you deny our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you have guaranteed yourself an eternity in hell. I'm going to keep saying it because it's very important. Whether this is your first time or whether I've known you for 50 years, look at me for a second. I love you, and I don't want to see you go to hell. But at the end of the day, it boils down to heaven or hell. There's no in-between. There's no middle ground, okay? And if you are a believer of Jesus Christ, right? Like, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, you better clap for this. You better clap because this world, right, this side of heaven is as close to hell as you'll ever have to see. That's something to celebrate, right? Like, that's something to look at and say, you know what? That's important. That while there is suffering on this side of heaven... At least I don't have to suffer an eternity in hell and the fire and the brimstone and the pits of hell. I don't have to be tortured by the Satan. I don't have to spend my life in Hades and Sheol. This earth, this world, is as close as I ever had to see. And if you're, even if your life is hard, guys, your life will be hard. Jesus promised. We looked at, at John chapter 16, verse 33. We looked at it, and Jesus very clearly says... While you will have suffering, while you will have trials, I overcame the world. And by his overcoming, we have new life. And we have deliverance from the suffering. And we have an eternity in heaven promised to us. Verse 53, and they led Jesus to the high priest. Remember we looked at last week. This is Caiaphas. But Caiaphas is actually kind of acting on behalf of Annas. And Annas wants everybody to know, I might not be the high priest anymore, but I'm still important. So if I tell Caiaphas it has to happen, it better happen. Jesus was led to the high priest and all the chief priests. So we very well could have been looking at right here. Anybody familiar with a guy named Paul? Right? Paul's pretty important, not our Paul. OK, our Paul is important. Let me just that was poor choice of words. OK, our Paul is important. Right. But, but that same Paul who we know and wrote a large portion of the New Testament could have very well be present right here. Why is that important? Because no matter where you've been, no matter where your past may have failed you, there is another side to this. Me and Corey talked about yesterday, as people have asked me before, what's the deal with the door, right? Our door, that's become kind of like a staple of city growth, right? Like they see the door backdrop. There's a reason why we put it just coming in so that it's the first thing you see. Because everybody, no matter where your past has taken you, there is a doorway known as Jesus Christ, who said he is the, the way, the truth, and the light, that on the other side of that door is heaven. That on the other side of that door is deliverance from evil. That on the other side of that door is deliverance from sickness. That whatever ails your body on this earth, on the other side of eternity, it is gone. It is wiped clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. Verse 54, and Peter had followed him at a distance. This is the same Peter who said, I'll go with you to death, Jesus I will I will just be by your side. You know, they'll never take you alive because I'm Peter and I'm Brash and I'll come with you. Now that same Peter has found himself a coward. He follows at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. <laughs> let's let's just pause for a second. So everything that we're about to see happens in Homeboy's backyard. Right? And he was sitting with the guards and warming himself. At the fire, so the same Paul, the same Peter that said, "I'll follow you, Jesus. i got your back, on boy." He followed, all right, at a distance, and then he made himself comfortable at a fire so that he so that he wouldn't be cold, right? And we do the same thing in our lives. We say, "Lord, if you send me, I'll go there, God. If you send me, I'll walk through a wall, Jesus. I believe you for it." But then when the opportunity comes up, we say, you know, hey, uh, Jesus, I don't know if you see my schedule, the one that I made, but I don't have enough time for you, right? In my prayer life, I talked about how strong I was, but now that you've put the opportunity in front of me, I actually don't know about that. I ain't preaching to nobody. Now, the chief priests and the whole council were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they found none. So they have to let him go, right? Because he's innocent. No. There's our first trial. For many bore false witness against him, but their testimony did not agree. These guys can't even get their right, their lives straight, guys. They want to lie and, and put him on a cross, but they can't even lie good. I don't know if that's proper English. Sounded dumb once I said it. And some stood up and bore false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another one, not made with hands. Um, no, that's not actually what he said. Remember, we looked at that last week as he's coming in. He prays over Jerusalem and said, I wish that you would just listen. I wish that you would just see me in your life. I wish that you would just give me an opportunity to be your Lord and Savior, but you couldn't even do it. Yet, Even about this, their testimony did not agree. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, Alright, they couldn't make you guilty. Let me see if I can get you to stumble, right? Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men would testify against you? But he remained silent, just as the scripture said, and made no answer. Again, the high priest said, Are you the Christ The Son of the Blessed. And Jesus, right here, y'all, right here, I need y'all to look at this. And Jesus said, I am, I am, and you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. So when they asked Jesus, Hey, Jesus, what are you? He said, I am. Why is this important? Because I know you're looking at it and you're like, What is I am? When God told us his name back in Exodus, you know what his name was? His name was the great I Am. His name was Yahweh, the God of your gods. So when Jesus is asked, what does he say? He says, I'm what my, I'm what my father is. I am. Verse 63. And the high priest tore his garments, which, like, y'all, that's a way of saying, like, uh-uh, I ain't happy about this, Right? that's a gentleman's way of saying temper tantrum, okay? Like, he just pitched a grown-up temper tantrum. And he said, what further witness do we need? You have heard this blasphemy. But what we know is there was no blasphemy here. Jesus just proclaimed exactly what he is. What is your decision... And they all condemned him as deserving death. Why did they give him death? Because he said, I'm here to save you all. Think about that. He said, I love you so much that I'm here to save your life. And what did they say? Let's kill him. Why? Why did they say that? Because if he is who he says he is, they don't have control anymore. It's a power move, y'all. It's a power move. He can't be the Lord and the Savior and we still have our power. Right? And the same thing is true in your life, guys. He can't be your Lord and Savior, and you think you're still in control. Either he is your Lord and Savior, or he's a liar or a lunatic in your life. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as deserving death. And some began to spit on our king. And some began to cover his face and strike him, saying, prophesy. And the guards received him with blows. In other words, they beat him. They flogged him. They tortured him for saying that he was here to save us all. It's kind of like the paramedic showing up at your house while you're having a heart attack, and you shooting them. Hey, I know you're here to save me, but I'm going to save myself. Right? I'm powerful. Let me tell you how that plays out, guys. You die. And here, here's the thing about our decision where we make where we make this same choice. If you choose to resist that help and you choose to resist that assistance, you die. And not like the kind of like peaceful death, but like torture and hell. Well that escalated quickly. And as Peter was below in the courtyard. One of the servant girls of the high priest came. And seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You were with Jesus, the Nazarene. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. Guys, I'm with you, Jesus. I got your back, homeboy. I'm going to go to death with you. And they're like, hey, don't you just know Jesus? mm and you guys are quick to say, oh, you know, I would never. How I many of y'all are actively telling your friends about Jesus Christ? Hey, that, ain't my, that, ain't my, that ain't my cross to the I'm sorry. I just had to introduce you to it. And seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You were also with the Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. Number one, and the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, "This is this man is one of them," but he denied it again. And after a little while, the bystanders again came to Peter. Certainly, you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. Hey, I know you from Iowa because I've seen you in Iowa, (laughs) right? Like. If you're from Iowa, you got a certain twang, right? Like, I'm from Belton, so I've got a certain twang. So, you could be 100 miles away from here, and you run into somebody else from Belton, and you're like, hey. Then you, you just look at each other, you're like, nah, bro, it's Shedder, okay? I'm from Shedder, all <laughs> Verse 71, and he began to invoke a curse on himself. Uh, I, I don't even have to explain that to y'all. You, you understand that that's not good, right? Right? Like the world has told you, hey, let's put curses. That that's not good. We we even literally we call things curse words, right? I did not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him before the rooster crows twice, You will deny me three times. And he broke down and he wept. The same Peter, who's just like us and says, Jesus, send me, I'll go. Right? Like, Jesus, whatever it is that you need, I've got it. He did the same thing that we do. He broke down because of pressure. Right? And then there's this thing where where Peter realized what had happened, and he broke down and he wept. That was, I think, as you look at Scripture, I think that was the pride leaving Peter. Right? If you look at Scripture, that was Peter's biggest hang-off, is his pride. Right, So you look at the book of Mark, which is more than likely Peter giving John Mark the gospel, John Mark writing it out, except for the one part where John Mark talks about uh, the, the garden and the praying, and he says, and there was a naked guy that ran away. Historians say that was more than likely John Mark dropping a little indication of like, yeah, that was me, right? Because if you, you ever, anybody ever done who rat stuff with their friends? All right, everybody, right? Yeah, we've done some really bad stuff with our friends. Now, you don't talk about that in public, right? But when, you, when you're with your friends, you don't even have to talk about it. You just kind of look at each other and say, hmm, <laughs> right? And everybody knows what's up, right? Like, you just look at each other, and you're like, hmm, <laughs> You don't have to say a word, but there's this understanding. So that was John Mark dropping a hmm, <laughs> hmm in the scripture, okay? So now we have the Roman trial, and as soon as it was morning, the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and the scribes and the whole council, and they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Does that sound familiar to what, what, what the, 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 the Jewish council said? It's, it's, it's familiar, right? But now we're, we're looking at it from an outsider's perspective. We have the Roman authority. Those are the guys who are in charge. You all know how they take charge? So, basically, they come in with what's called a legion, which is a lot of soldiers, right? And they come into your little town. They waddle like penguins. No, that's just me, right? It's the belly that does it. So, they just waddle like penguins in a town, and they say, hey, two options, right? Okay, there's a lot of you. Option number one, you give us everything, and we tell you what you can do with it. And they're like, I don't know if I like that option. And then there's a second option, right? And they're like, okay, okay. Door number two, you die. And they're like, hm. actually, know, we think about it. The first one sounds really good, right? That, that's how the Romans did it. And then they had a lot of power. You know how they kept their power all across the world? Is they literally installed what was known as a puppet king. And what does the puppet king do? Well, he does exactly what Caesar tells him to do, right? He looks like he's in charge, but really, he's just conveying the orders of Caesar. Well, that sounds dumb. We still do that today. I ain't, don't even get me started on that one. That's another sermon for another day. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? To which he answered, wait a minute, Here, here's where it gets better. The, uh, who thinks of Jesus as just like the guy that just is all loving and, like, you know, he just says nice things and there's doves, right? Like you get this, this bad idea of, of Jesus, right? So Jesus looks at this guy, and you know what he tells Pilate? You said it, right? Y'all, Jesus got a sense of humor. Jesus also, he, he, he likes to be a little sarcastic sometimes, right? He got Maybe he's got some dry humor. So Pilate's like, are you the king of the Jews? He looks at him, and he's like, you said it, though, no. right? This probably made Pilate very upset because Pilate's a very important and very powerful man. man. And most of the time when people talked about him, you know how they talk to him? Like this. I'm not worthy. So Jesus looks at him and he's like, yeah, dog, you said it. Right? So if you're powerful, that's probably not going to be a good move. Verse 3 And the chief priests accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, Have you no answer to make? And he asked to fulfill scripture. So what does he say? See how many charges they bring against you. Verse 5. But Jesus made no further answer, so that Pilate was amazed. So, when Pilate first asked him, he doesn't say, I am, right? Because Pilate wouldn't understand this. Is Pilate Jewish? No, he's not, okay? He's he's not. He's Roman. He's he's Greek. Remember, we got Jew first and the Gentile, so he's the Gentile. So, if, if if Jesus looks at him and says, I am, he's just going to be like, okay, that's kind of weird, but, you know. Because he would have looked at him and said, Yahweh. He would have understood that. So what does Jesus have to say to him? You said it. So really quick, I've got three things that I'm going to show you guys as we continue this trip through Scripture. And these three things are ultimately decisions that will help you boil down where your life will be spent. Not like this life, but we're talking like eternity life, okay? Because I know where y'all gonna spend life. Belton, right? Ivo, Kentucky. Tucky. Right? Some of y'all are like, where y'all, baby? Okay. So the first thing that we have to look at was was this thing called substitution? All right. So, in, for anybody who is like I've heard that word before, but I, I don't really, I don't really know what that means. It's the action of replacing someone or something with another person or thing. So, in Scripture, where do we have substitution? And the substitution happens on our behalf. It happens if we look at Mark chapter 15, verse 6 through 15, and it says, "Now at the feast." He used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison, what's a rebel? Someone that went against the flow, right? Like this guy was against the Romans. But he wasn't just against the Romans. He was also against the Jews because the Jews had just folded to the Romans. So these people are what are called insurrectionists or rebels. So these guys are like, I don't answer to nobody who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. Look at me, guys, me and you, we are Barabbas. Everybody look at me and say, I am Barabbas. Why are we Barabbas? Because we were the recipients of substitution. Follow me for a second. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do for them as he usually did. And he answered them saying, do you want for me to release to you the king of the Jews? So who we got here? Jesus, right? Like Jesus. Look how the Romans have like one or two options, right? Like you get door one or number or door number two. And it, like there's always like a bad option. And then there's like, okay. And then there's bad option. So follow this one. For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him off. And guess what? It was. It was a power struggle. But the chief priest steered up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. So let's release the guy that doesn't like anybody here, right? And this Barabbas, he would be a murderer. He would be a thief. Right? Think of like the list, we talked about morality earlier. Think about a list of like all the bad stuff on the side of morality. That's Barabbas. And when I say that's Barabbas, that's also you. That's also me. Right? Verse number 11. But the chief priests steered up the crowd to have them released from them Barabbas instead. Verse 12. And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man that you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. Verse 14. And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. Him. Think about that, guys. We have on one side of this a murderer, a thief, a cheater. Right? And on the other side of this, we have the savior of the world. Who are we going to pick? It ultimately boils down to the same, the same decision for you. In your life, do you choose to continue your lifestyle of Barabbas, or do you choose to follow Jesus Christ? And again, Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, why, what evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd. Again, why does Pilate do this? Is is it because he thinks Jesus is bad? No, it's because there's this thing called riots. Anybody ever been part of a riot? Probably not because you're still here, right? Right? So, what's on the other side of a riot? Death, destruction, overthrowing, right? We've seen in the past, because the Bible is just, you know, it's just a thing that lived in the past. It doesn't apply to today. We didn't see Charlottesville like five years ago, right? We didn't see the George Floyd riots. We haven't seen in the past the Rodney King riots. No, we didn't see those things, right? Like, the the Bible is just living in old times. It's not still happening today. It definitely is, guys. And on the other side of this, so Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them the murderer, Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. What's scourging? I know, if you guys are wondering. That's beating, but not like the good kind. Y'all like there's a good kind, right? <laughs> there is literally bones and flesh and tearing. The kind of beating that we have witnessed still happening today. But we're so far removed from this, right? Like the Bible. Oh no, it's a history. It's not. It's still happening, guys. And we're still giving into it. the, the second thing that I need to show you guys is, is this beautiful thing that Jesus gave us called invitation. We're, we're gonna run out of time for you, so I'm gonna I'm gonna fly through this thing real quick. Invitation. A written or verbal request inviting someone to go somewhere or to do something. So people, we, we, we talk about how there's tertiary issues, right? And one of those tertiary issues is this thing called baptism. Let me boil this down in like a 10 second thing for you. So baptism is basically, think of it this way, because you can visualize this. Baptism is a wedding ceremony, right? How many people know that you can get married in the courthouse? Right? That's salvation. Right? So baptism is then this public hearing and this public announcement that we are joined together as one. Right? So when we think about baptism, think about it as a wedding ceremony. You can be married without a wedding ceremony, okay? Because people like they'll try and boil this thing down and say, Well, you're baptized, so you know, hey, you know you know Jesus Christ, but you know tertiary issue okay unimportant on the ideals in the basis of salvation verse 32 Luke chapter 23 verse 32 through 43 two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him there's this uh, this this idea of a pitnic thief right and when they had came to the place that is called the skull this is Golgotha they were where they crucified him, and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Anybody want to take a guess what these guys were? Insurrectionists. Rebels. The same kind of folks who Barabbas, me and you, right? So if we, if we know that and we have this idea, remember Barabbas that was the first guy that literally was released from chains for Jesus' exchange, right? So where was Barabbas about to end up? You guessed it. On these same crosses that Jesus is going to wind up on. So that one in the middle, right? The one that belonged to me and you, the one that belonged to Barabbas, who's on it? Jesus on our behalf. How do I know that Jesus is exactly who he says he is first thing? You can go and study whatever religion you want, like Buddhism, Mormonism, all these other things, right? Right? Only one savior actually comes to the world and says, hey, I'm God, right? Nobody else was brave enough to make that claim. Why? Because in their death, the world would prove that they were immortal, right? That their flesh does, in fact, have an expiration date. Why does Jesus come and say it? Because history literally changed because of Jesus. So on the other side of this invitation is me and you. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, where they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Was Jesus up there yelling at me and you for putting him on the cross? No, he was saying, God, I love him so much. Yahweh, they don't even know what they're doing. It's the same reason he prayed for Jerusalem as he was coming in, and then they tried to use it against him. And these people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying he saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. And guess what, guys? Jesus very well could have took himself off it. But if he does, me and you do not have an eternity in heaven. It's not that Jesus wasn't powerful enough to do it. It was Jesus loved us enough to stay on it. That's something you can take home. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Uh, Pause for a second. Okay, anybody have like a tool belt they take to work with them? Yes, I have a tool belt too. Right? So you have certain tools you keep in said tool belt. So in said tool belt, one of the things that a Roman soldier would have had would have been sour wine and a sponge. Okay, so let me just introduce y'all to a thought that about 2,000 years later, there was this thing invented called toilet paper. Yeah, y'all see where this is going? So the thing that was in these Roman soldiers, suitcase, travel bag, field kit, was a sour wine and a sponge that was for cleansing themselves. While Jesus is on a cross saying, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. They're literally using their defecation towels to put it in his mouth to shut him up. Think about that. Because if you want something to take home with you, you want a happy-go-lucky thing, guess what? That ain't it. If you want somebody that's going to stand up here and tell you the things you want to hear so that you can leave here and not have any bit of change in your life and you can go on down to the El Peso or the El Titanic or the Oh Charmings or wherever you're going after this, or your family dinner that was so important, right? If you you want someone that's going to sit here and give you that, it ain't me. But if you want someone that's going to tell you how important Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross was, here we are. 39, one of the criminals who were hanged with him saying, are you not the Christ? So this guy, it looks like a question, but what he's saying is, Jesus, you're exactly who you say you are. You are, you are the Christ. Save yourself and us. But the other one rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me into your kingdom. The first two people to receive salvation... Is Barabbas a murderer, right? And the penitent thief on the cross with him who said, God, I know what I've done. I know my sins. I know my struggles. But why are you here with me? And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. One of the last things that Jesus says before he breathes his last, is Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. And what this means is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because in that moment, guess what? Jesus proved that he has emotion, that he feels just like me and you. And while he could have took himself off the cross, he stayed on it instead so that me and you could be connected to God the Father. The last I-O-N, action, noun that I need to introduce to you, right? is the idea of a resolution. Now, in your life, you will have resolution, right? Resolution, a firm decision to do or to not do something. Because check that out. By not acknowledging Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that is called a sin of omission, right? You could have made one decision, but instead, you chose not to. Because there's a sins of commission. Like if I were to walk over to Josiah right now and just say, and drop, kick him out of the chair, right? Like that's a sin of commission, right? But by thinking about it and not doing it, right? Like you see where this is going. So resolution. Mark chapter 16. I got eight more verses and you're done, guys. You can go and and to eat too much and commit, you know, gluttony, right? Like, you can do all these things, right? There's a there's a golden corral in someone's future. I can feel it. Bob was like, I wasn't even thinking about it, but now that you've said it, right? Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. Amen. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, y'all about to notice something. Mary Magdalene, Okay, everybody look at me for a second. This will get your attention. A whore. Okay? Mary Magdalene, a prostitute, a brothel employee. Mary, the mother of James. Look at this. Mary, this is Jesus' mom. She doesn't even feel worthy to be called Jesus' mother here. What do we refer to her as? Mary the mother of James and Mary of Salome so this would be like one of Jesus's like, anybody got like an auntie? you got like an auntie, right? or like a you got like a, a, a godmother or a godfather so that, that, that's Mary Salome okay and notice something really quick uh, Mary Magdalene is no longer rich because she gave up all her wealth and poured it on Jesus to anoint him for this death that he's suffering. Uh, Mary, his mama, <laughs> she was never rich. Okay, they were carpenters, like they were your average everyday. The reason why we call ourselves Taste instead of Talmudines is because all of us, we blue collar, right? Me and white collar. If you white collar, see me after this, okay? We gotta talk some business. I got some Bitcoin. I need to tell you or something, you know? <laughs> so Mary of Salome, what did she bring? Spices Because this shows us that Mary Of Salome would be what? Wealthy These are women who are coming to anoint Jesus Y'all but women don't get to be important Right? Like Anybody ever been taught that in church? Who's the ones right here with Jesus at the end? If ain't nobody in your life ever going to have your back Your mama going to have your back so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, every mama in this room was like, man, that should have been a Mother's Day lesson right there, right? Like, yeah, say it again, Richard. I've been asleep for 30 minutes. But say it again, Richard. He said, Mama's is good. <laughs> all right? And very, clear, very early on the first day of the week, Sunday. All right? That got somebody's attention. Hey, y'all want to see something cool? Conclusion. Right? I just got y'all's attention again. I had y'all for thirty seconds at least. And on the very first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb and they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for? Why? Because they're women. This is time out. Why don't women need to be why don't men need to be competing in women's events? This right here. Three women are like, Hey, we ain't rolling a stone, this thing's pretty heavy. Like Dudes should not be committing. Like, they should not be competing with us. Again, another issue for another day. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. Uh, Remember when Jesus was walking across the water, right, and they were like, is that a ghost? Right, they were scared, right, because Jesus was illuminated in that moment. So here again, we have an angel, right, dressed in white robe, and they were alarmed, and he said to them, do not be alarmed. One of the most, like, y'all, look, I, I don't care if you've paid attention for the past 50 minutes or not, but like, this is something you have to get. This is not tertiary, right? This is not something that's unimportant. This right here is theological and belief triage. You know what triage is? It's where you have to decipher which, like, which sickness is more important, right, like in healthcare, Which illness is more important, which one we have to treat first. This has to be treated first, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away. It was very large. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right side, dressed in white robe. And they were alarmed. And they said to him, and he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He is risen. He is not here. That's why we have Easter, guys. That's what it's all about. It's not about cooking a meal. And it's not about egg hunts. It's... Those things are great. Those are for fellowship. But that is not why we celebrate Easter. Him not being there. Him rising from the dead. The tomb being empty. The cloth being folded to say, I'm not finished with you yet. That is why we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ and call it Easter, guys. That's what it's about. He is risen, and he is not here. See the place where they have laid him. But follow this. Jesus tells these guys, right right before the, the Mount of Olives, he tells everybody, Hey, when they kill me, which they will, when they crucify me, which they will, when they put me in the grave, which they will, go and meet me. Don't meet me there, right? Go and meet me in Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Guys, if Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection was a lie, they would have picked more credible witnesses. Why do I say that? Because women wouldn't have been able to testify in court. Right, Because in that time, they still looked at women as insignificant. So the women wouldn't have been able to testify in court. If you wanted to to glorify a lie, you're going to pick a more credible witness, right? But if it really happened like it did, then Jesus Christ rolls that. He comes out of that grave. And the women go there to see him, and guess what? He ain't there. So today, in this church, in our new home, we are truly celebrating an empty tomb. I'm going to pray for us really quick. We're going to celebrate communion together. Uh, and um, I'm, we're going to show a video that we like to show every once in a while. I cannot overdo it because we don't want to take away from the significance. And as we watch this video, think of everything that you've just heard. Think of everything that we've just discussed. Dear Heavenly Father God, we just want to thank you, Lord, for your your son to die a criminal's death on a cross in our place, God, that truly our life has new significance, our life has new meaning from the blood and the, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. In your heavenly name we pray. Amen.